Hey Mike, did you know that the hopping lamp that led to Zaniba's house was a reference to the Pixar mascot, Luxo Jr.? Majide. Day, a Westerner's view of Japanese media and culture. I'm Mike. And I'm John. Today our topic is going to be Hayao Miyazaki's classic, Spirited Away. But before we get to that, have you done any J-culture in the last whatever period of time it's been? Uh, since the last, since last the two of us met, uh, I added, I've gone from Ultramoon to Super, Super Mario Maker on the 3DS. Okay. That's you, about that's that's about it. How are you finding that? It's all it's, I I I think it sucks that you have to play through their pre-made levels to unlock the all the different materials, but I know that was on the Wii U version as well. Uh-huh. It was it's like their their version of a you know, of like a a wall. You get you get if you want to have more advanced uh materials to build a level with, you have to play the game. Yeah. Um, as for me, what have I done? Uh, we have progressed more in Dragon Ball Super, so we're past the, the, the TV show's remake of the Battle of the Gods movie, and now we're in the lead-up to the Resurrection of F movie, um, and we're just gonna skip those episodes since it's a redo of the movies, which are better. Um, that's, I think, all that uh that i've done i know sometime this week me and my friends are going to be having a for fun little best anime opening of the year party thing we're gonna vote on those amongst ourselves so i i guess i can let y'all know what we decide on in the episode after this by whatever we do after yeah um but yeah, that's it for me. So I guess right. let's get into Hayao Miyazaki's story here. Yeah, we didn't get any corrections either, so uh, let's get right into it. Hayao Miyazaki, uh, this is this is going to be a a basic rundown of Ghibli as well. So if we ever come back to Ghibli for another film, we can just go straight into the, the, the production of that movie and the plot instead of having to continually retell Hayao Miyazaki and Ghibli's story. Okay. Alright. Hayao Miyazaki was born January 5th, 1941, in Bunkyo, Tokyo, Japan. His father manufactured rudders for fighter planes during World War II, and his family had to be moved from Tokyo first to Utsunomiya, and again to Kanuma in order to avoid the U.S. bombing. And then after the war, you know, not long after the war, 1947, his mom spent the next several years fighting tuberculosis. And so, like, from 1947 to 1951, his mom was bedridden while he was starting school. Poor guy. Um, Miyazaki developed aspirations to be a manga artist, eventually discovering an interest in animation after watching Panda and the Magic Serpent, which was the first ever color anime, anime film 
released in Japan, you know, made and released. I think I was like 1960 or so, 1959 maybe, around that time period. Um, and then Miyazaki began working for Toei Animation in 1963 as an in-betweener, which um, I think we've discussed animation uh, on here before. But I basically, think so. the in-be- the in-betweener in animation terms is the per- is the artist who, because um, you in animation you have to draw every single frame of a move uh, of the movie or of the whatever you're doing, and so you have keyframes, which are the main poses that are based on the storyboards that are drawn, and the in-betweener fills in the motions between each keyframe. So Miyazaki started as an in-betweener for Doggy March and Wolf Boy Ken and and provided key animation for the wonderful world of Puss in Boots, all for Toei. And then while as Toei, while at Toei, he also got to be the chief animator, concept artist, and scene designer for his first for his first film, The Adventure of Horus, Prince of the Sun. So already he's you know, he's getting a lot, you know, some major you know, projects done on, you know, with, uh, as an animator. Uh, 1971, he left Toei for APRO, where he directed and co-directed 23 episodes of Lupin the Third Part One. And then after working at Zuyo Azo, I believe, uh, Nippon, which became Nippon Animation, he left them in 1979 and directed his first feature-length anime film, which was, which was the uh, Lupin the Third movie, The Castle of Cagliostro. And then following the success of that, he went into production of an adaptation of Richard Corbin's novel Ralph, which I believe is a European novel. I'm not familiar with it. But uh, he, when he couldn't get the rights to it, he proposed um, a manga where he could a- adapt the anime for the manga. You know, kind of like how uh, Mark Millar does those proposes stories in comic book form so that he can get movies made out of them. Uh-huh. So this was kind of, that was kind of the deal he made with I th- with I think uh, Yasuyoshi Takuma, um, and that manga became Nausicaa: The Valley of the Wind. Oh, okay. Uh, after the after that, uh, 1985, Miyazaki founded Studio Ghibli. Uh, Ghibli Ghibli is the actual pronunciation of the word, uh, but he he founded that with uh, this group of. Uh, collaborators he's he's he met through Toei and through his different anime through all his years of animation uh, Isao Takahara Toshio Suzuki and then the aforementioned Yasuyoshi Takuma and then Takuma used some funding from his uh, printing company Takuma Shoten uh, and then Studio Ghibli saw initial success through the 80s with their adaptation of Kiki and then with their adaptation of Kiki's delivery service was the highest grossing movie in Japan in 1989 so I mean that was 1980s. I think was the was the time where we saw like Porco Rosso and a lot of those really early uh, Ghibli films. And then in, 19, in 1996, Takuma Shoten struck a deal with Miramax, a subsidiary of Disney, for the international distribution rights to Studio Ghibli's films. This led to their 1997 film Princess Mononoke reaching a more international audience. Yep, and that's After, how I first heard about Ghibli when. I think I saw yeah. that DVD sitting on the wall at Suncoast, and my dad bought it for whatever reason. Hmm, nice. Yeah, I think Mononoke was probably the first one I heard. If not Mononoke, then it was this. Yeah, uh, or the- or it was the Miramax distributions of of like Totoro and all of them finally starting to come over. Yeah, and I remember the pull quote on that DVD box is something like, 
it's an animated Star Wars or something like that. <laughs> That's uh, that is not that movie at all. Not even. And there's a, the hologram on the front is the main character, and his sword is all. It's done like a silvery, so it looks like it's a laser sword. It is. Oh God. Wow. Maybe super uh, misrepresentative of the film in the advertising. I know. Given that Miramax was uh, founded by the uh, Weinstein's, and they're notorious for butchering adap- uh, uh, translations and adaptations of, like they're the guys who also did Dougal. Mm-hmm. So I mean, the Weinstein's are not kind to tra- to anything that they bring over and Americanize. But that dub for Mononoke is excellent. Oh it yeah, is most such of the, a good mo- fucking dub. Disney, I'm surprised, you know, I'm, I'm amazed at how well Disney manages to get the cast. I mean, a lot of, we'll to get into it in the, when we discuss here, but aside from casting their current, uh, you know, up and coming young starlets, like how they did with, uh, Hannah Montana's little sister in Ponyo mm-hmm. and Devay Chase, who was, who was someone they were trying to, uh, make into someone big back then when they were making this. Yeah, aside from that, they get, like, really solid casts. Anyway, uh, uh, after Takuma Shoten merged with Studio Ghibli in 97, Miyazaki began work on his next film. Realizing while he was on vacation with his family, and uh, the family brought some friends of one of the, of one of the daughters, and so they, he, was, ha- he was on vacation with his family, and then these, like, five ten-year-old girls uh, that were all hanging around and playing while, they, while the adults were hanging out. Uh, and while he was there, he kind of realized that most of his films were were uh, for either male audiences or general audiences. He never made something for young girls. You know, he never made something with like a young female protagonist. They were all either young adults or, you know, boys. And so he decided to try, that would be the focus of his next movie, Spirited Away. Uh, or, um, I think Sento is Sen- the Japanese Sento type. Chihiro Kamikakushi. That's it. Uh, Spirited Away was a critical and financial success, winning the Japan Academy Prize for Picture of the Year, the Academy Award for Best Animated Feature, and earning 30.4 billion yen, which is the equivalent of $289.1 million at the box office during its entire run. And it still remains the highest grossing film in Japan to this day. The plot deals with a 10-year-old Chihiro... Is it Okino or Ogino? Ogino. Shihiro Ogino, uh, after her family stops at this, like, abandoned, uh, the dad calls it an abandoned park in the dub, but it's like these ruins, and they get lost on their way to their new house, uh, and, uh, and then while they're there, the dad and mom start smelling really good cooking, and they start noticing all this food being laid out with nobody there, and they start chowing down, uh, Chihiro, meanwhile, is all is kind of freaked out by all of this, and she doesn't want to stop in the first place. And as the sun sets, she runs into this little boy named, uh, who goes by Haku, and he tells her to get out. And when she f- tries to find her parents, they've turned into g- just gigantic, disgusting, like brilliantly detailed but disgusting pigs. And after that night, Haku helps sneaks Chihiro into the bathhouse where his master, Yubaba, works. And at first, uh, she meets the spider guy. Why can't I remember his name? I just 
saw the movie. I couldn't tell you either. I'll get the names right now so we don't have to keep coming back to it. Uh, this, but uh, he's a uh, this. He's I think he's got four on four arms. I think he has six arms. Oh, it's at six. I believe so. Uh, he's a Spider Man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a literal Spider Man. Uh, uh, Kamaji is the name. And uh, Kamaji doesn't really care too much, although uh, he does help uh, convince Lin, who is a bathhouse worker, to br- to kind of c- bring sneak Chihiro in to meet Yubaba in order to get a job. Because if she gets a job, she won't be turned into a mo- you know a pig or, uh, or some other kind of uh, object or animal or whatever, and. Uh, she makes her way up to Yubaba's office, gets a job at, uh, as Lin's apprentice, and while there, she uh, it's it's her trying to just survive long enough to figure a way to get her and her parents out of there. And while that's going on, uh, they have a run-in with this uh, giant stink spirit <laughs> that comes into the bathhouse, uh, a mysterious creature known only as a no-face. That uh, takes a liking to her, and then uh, as and then she also has run-ins with Yubaba's twin sister Zaniba, and eventually uh, Chihiro, who had to uh, in the movie Yubaba, the way she controls you is by stealing your name. So Chihiro goes by the name Sen, and as Sen, she has to try keep reminding herself what her real name is so she doesn't forget it and be stuck working for Yubaba forever. But after running into Zaniba, she and who was attacking Haku for stealing one of her magical items. Uh, it was a, st- a stamp or like a seal, mm-hmm. a rubber seal. Um, she agrees to return the seal to her. And, uh, and once she re- returns the seal to Zaniba, she learns of a way to break the, uh, she, you know, she finds out that, Haku has helped her to find a way to br- to break her and her family out and return to the real world, and so along you know along the way there's a a giant baby voiced by Tara Strong uh, that's turned into a little mouse <laughs> that kind of hangs out with her as like the little chibi chibi sidekick, uh, and No Face kind of joins her in the journey to find Zaniba's place, and eventually uh, uh, Zaniba gives her like a magical headband hairband to tie to tie her hair back and protect her from any of Yubaba's magic and she goes back all she has to do is guess which of the pigs is her are her parents she sees through the ruse guesses right and uh manages to get them all out and break the contract and returns to the real world and once she's back in the real world her and her parents go back through the way they came and find their car covered in branches and leaves and dust. <laughs> and then and then they were after all the, after the, that entire magical journey they they return as though nothing has happened. Okay. That's that movie. And then yep, that's the basic rundown. We'll get into more of the actual uh, the finite details of what happened and the spoiler talk in the next part, but uh after almost 30 years of working with Studio Ghibli, Miyazaki announced his retire his he officially announced his retirement. He was always kind of like I, I read that he was thinking about retiring after Mononoke, even. Mm-hmm. 
So, I mean, he's been toying around with retirement, but he officially announced a retirement from feature film production in 2013. And he started focusing more on writing manga and producing short films and helping out at the Ghibli Museum in Tokyo. And then out of nowhere in like 2015, 2016, he was announced to uh, be working on a final feature film. And as of 20, as of this year, uh, in February, they announced that the uh, film would be, would be an adaptation of the book of the same name of the book. How do you live by Genzaburo Yoshino? which has to do with a young boy trying to navigate through spirit, the spirit world and the real world. Uh, it's, it's, a very, it's a coming of age story kind of thing. It's very, you know, it's very much in line with the other Ghibli tales from what I read. And uh, that's due out in 2020 or 2021, although um, some people have speculated that final production should, could be finished as early as 2019. And then a, uh, on, to, uh, on, the, on that subject, producer Toshio Suzuki uh, said that Miyazaki's reasoning for this was, it was his way of saying to his grandson, Grandpa's moving on to the next world, but he's leaving, be leaving behind this film, implied for you to remember him. So this is like his, uh, not his magnum, I wouldn't say his magnum opus, I wouldn't, I'm not sure which of the Ghibli films would be that, but... It's Mononoke. There you go. Uh, but... This is more of like his swan song. His like, it's a gift to his grandson as he's in the twilight years of his life to be like, okay, I want, I want to go out on one more. And he's adapting the story, which has to deal with uh, death and moving on and uh, dealing with the loss of family and whatnot. So I, I, I'm re I really hope it turns out well. I mean, it sounds like a great story. So we'll see how we'll see if it if it finally comes out or you know with what or what happens to it in the next couple of years that may be that may be a thing we have to we go like weekend of release and check out <laughs> yeah maybe but it looks like we have a story we did get one story read that story I'll take it okay I... i'll take it so Jake... I, I i think i've been talking enough for these people <laughs> okay yeah go get get a drink of water uh so jason lee writes in i watched spirit away in my first year of university I think that equates to maybe freshman in college in the U.S., which it does, mm -hmm. um, at a one-pound student cinema. I hadn't really seen anything like it, and while the story hasn't really stuck with me, I was blown away by how good it looked. It's taken me almost ten years to convince her to do it, but finally my wife is starting to watch Japanese animated movies, particularly Studio Ghibli ones, with me. And we're looking forward to return to Japan to see more of the Ghibli themed attractions there. That's start. the one thing I'm, I'm really interested, in, especially once they uh, tie. I think is Ghibli finally opening like an actual theme park a la Disney World? I think he wanted to open like a nature park or something. That makes more sense. That's what I heard. Um, and then there's the Ghibli Museum, which people like. I didn't care for it when I was when I went, but. It seems like a good museum if you're into Ghibli a lot. I'm guessing it's probably like cells of the animation or... It's, it's lot, know, there's some of that. Uh, with every ticket, you get like two or three cells of animation from like a reel of film. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, and I, I think mine's from... I think mine's from Spirit Away. I think it's like a, a soot guy. I don't remember. Well, I, yeah, one of the... 
I didn't have the time, but we can probably I can probably dig up some of the uh, yokai and monsters that are featured in this movie. Yeah. Um, there's like a lot of how animation works. There's a lot of just kind of mock-ups of the animators, like spaces. Um, there are a few films, short films that are only shown at the Ghibli Museum, and I thought that was neat. Um, that's something the Osamu Tezuka Museum in Takarazuka has too. There are a couple Tezuka films or Tezuka production films that are only show, shown there. Yeah, if you're into animation, especially Ghibli, it's probably good. It felt to me like it skews younger. Which makes sense. Uh, the Ghibli films have always seemed to... It, it seems like that just before pubescence age, like that pre-teenage, late, like late uh, single digits, early doubles. Yeah. But I'm... I mean, I'm not going to say don't go because other people seem to like it and I can see why. I just didn't think it was worth it for me personally. I'd probably get something out of it at least. Yeah. I'm always a fan of museums. Yeah, the the uh, the film cell was nice and they had the traditional Japanese battle top things. Uh, they had those in the gift shop and I thought that was neat. Um, they're, uh, Begoma, I think they're called. They're what Beyblade is based off of. Hmm. So I, I, I guess I got some stuff. I got some postcards to send to people back home out of it. So I guess I can't say I didn't get anything out of it. But anyway, let's get to break, huh? Yeah, let's take a quick break. Okay. You want to hear four badass women discuss and dissect modern and classic horror films? Join us at Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, A Good Ghoul's Guide to Horror. Oh! On the gun, we can't have Don't read the Latin. Do you know that in the world of the insane, you will find a kind of truth more terrifying than fiction? And we're back. So, John, first question I have for you is what caused you to pick this movie? I think I went for it because it it's the one that's been most uh you know number one profitable, number one and number two like critically lauded out of all of like I won't say it's the best Ghibli movie, but it's the one that's somehow received the most recognition especially outside of Japan. Okay. And I wanted to at least get a like use this as like our entry point, and then we can get into the more interesting Ghibli films like Pompoko, or um, you know some of the some of the earlier stuff. Like you know, get into Mononoke hit what and uh, Nausicaa, and and something things that are more associated with Japanese culture and whatnot. Whereas this is like a nice start starting point more than anything. Okay, and then how do you feel about this movie? On rewatch, it got a bit grating. Okay. I'll say that. DeVay Chase, who's a great actress and a voice actress in her own right, I don't know what, what 
the what the direction was for her. If there was, uh, I know Lassiter was wanting to do his best to mimic the lip movements of the Japanese. Oh, so is, that it wasn't, was he the uh, the voice director? Yeah, he was the main, uh, tr- like the one main translator and voice director, and I think he was. May- I I haven't heard the the original Japanese dub of this, but it's it's it may they may they may have been trying to see like oh she's doing big big animations and big action so we have to have a voice to match and it's so and so I'm dreaming I'm dreaming I'm dream and it feels like and because the next year after this. Or the like the year or two after this, she did Lilo and Stitch. So she's not a bad actor. She's Fuck, great that, in that. That's why she sounds familiar. Shit. Yeah. Both and her she's also, and Haku. The whole fucking movie, it was bothering me. I've heard well, this yeah, voice I'll, before. I'll get into those. There, there's a lot of connections and trivia about the cast here. But uh, DeVay Chase especially... She's she's not a bad actress, and I mean she was also uh, this, about this time period. She was Donnie Darko's little sister, for those who have seen that movie, and and so she and so it's it it's baffling the directions they're making her give and how she sounds like she is she does kind of sound like a little kid giving you know saying these things because I can imagine like. A ten-year-old or an eight-year-old kid not knowing how to act, giving these kind of performances. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's a it's it, it's she definitely. I mean, she gets some good performances. The softer moments, like the you know some of the time, like the time, like the connection she builds with Haku, Haku and the you know her confronting No Face more than you know all the different times and. Her, you know, her, you know, sticking the, um, I think it's like a water chestnut or something. It was something, uh, it was some kind of medicine that she got from the the river spirit. Yeah, I'm not sure what it looked like a ball of moss or something. I don't know. It was a magic bean. It was some, it was some kind of, yeah, medicinal thingamadoodle. What's it say here? It looked like, it kind of looked like the, the magic man's thing from Princess Bride. Kind of, yeah. Uh, they're saying it's like a dumpling. I've heard it uh, called other, you know, called something else. Uh, magic emetic dumpling is what the Wikipedia says. Emetic being something that induces vomiting, like uh, uh, ibicac. Yeah. So, like, but her giving that to Haku and helping it, you know, even though she's kind of yelling at that, she Deveches does her best to try and give. Uh, Chihiro's voice, some some depth and some character, whereas, uh, but at the same time, I don't know what happened. I do not know what happened, but something happened in wanting to either mimic. I don't know. I have to listen to the Japanese dub for comparison, but uh, it's crazy. But everything else, everyone else is good. You know, um, Suzanne Plachette, who plays Yubabans and Iba, is solid. Uh, Susan Egan uh, was great as Lynn. And then you've got uh, Mike. Here's a good one. Here's a poll. Michael Chiklis and Lauren Holly. Michael oh, Chiklis from The Shield and Lauren Holly, who is. Uh, what do I, what, where do I know her from? She was, in, she was, she was the mom in something. Uh, Jenny Shepard in NCIS. Mary Swanson in Dumb and Dumber. And. Uh, Somebody in What Women Want. So, I mean, she's she's around. You'd recognize her from something, I'm guessing. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, she goes all the way back, you know, like I said, D- Dumb and Dumber, What Women Want, uh, the movie Sabrina from 1995, uh, which was a big hit at the time. Crank High Voltage she's huh. in. So, I mean, she's all over the place. And then apparently she was on All My Children and Picket Fences. So she was originally a soap actress that went legit. Okay. But but yeah, that, that, that's her. those are her parents. Lauren Holly and Michael Chiklis. So I mean, it's a it's an interesting cast of character actors, and unfortunately, Devay Chase has to carry the film, and they make her scream most of her lines, and that's the biggest detriment to the film is that kind of voice direction. Which I wonder if it's not uh, Lasseter not being not being not sure how to best translate the dialogue from one language to the other, since he was put in charge of it. Yeah, I don't know. Like he was a big old Ghibli fanboy at the time, so Disney's like, "How about you do this instead of you know, <laughs> instead of having somebody more uh, more suited to the job?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've watched the original, so I can't quite remember. At the same time, it's uh, plenty of the other Miramax and Disney tra- uh, dub casts have been have been better. So I don't know. I, it yeah, may like, have just been okay, it's like fantastic. A, I can't think of a single bad performance in that movie. Um, Mon- yeah, Mononoke. I remember um, uh, the cat. What's the one with the cat? Um, cat returns. The cat returns has um, what's his name? Ah, uh, from SNL. Uh, Phil Hartman as the cat, and I think he was in like t- two different um, uh, Ghibli dubs. Uh, the uh, cat. The well, uh, the cat returns is a spin-off movie of. Whisper of the Heart? I, I think it, it, he may have been the cat in uh, Kiki Return, Kiki's Delivery Service, but uh, even um, even the Totoro one they did re- not too long ago, the 2005 one. Oh, uh, uh, they with, redone with it? Sisters? Uh, well, that's the one with Dakota and Elle Fanning as the sisters. I didn't realize they uh, redubbed it. Uh, that was Dis- Disney redubbed it in 2005. Oh, okay. There's like a 90s dub of it, which I think was before they made the deal with... Yeah, Eighty nine and ninety three, which was before the deal with Miramax, and then once Disney got a hold of Ghibli, they did their they did their own dubs to avoid any kind of like legal issues. I'm guessing. Okay, because I'm pretty sure I watched the original dub, so I didn't know they had a Disney dub. But yeah, like the one I know the Disney dub with the Fanning sisters, they do great in that. Uh, let me pull up Kiki. Uh, Kiki is another one where they had a streamlined Takuma dub in English. With more, with lesser known actors, and then the Disney version with more with more recognizable voices, like the Disney double Cat Returns has Phil Hartman as Gigi the Cat, mm-hmm. or not Cat Returns, uh, Kiki, and then Tress McNeil, Janine Garofalo, Brad Garrett, Cat Susie, like they they pulled out like all the big name uh, you know voice actors for that mo- for the movie. And they did, even here, like, they've got some, like, Tara Strong's in Spirited Away, as well as uh, Candy Milo, who's a, who's a, who's a you know, ve- you know, heart, like, for those who know voice, uh, voice cast and, vo- you know, like, animation acting here in the West, Candy Milo, uh, Roger Bumpus, the voice of Squidward, is in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, even John, even uh, John Ratzenberger plays a character. So, I mean, they, they know how to, you know, they know the right voices to bring in even for like the minor roles so it's weird that it's this one that has the bad dubbing of the of the main character and i wonder what the hell happened 
Okay, I thought Phil Hartman sounded wrong for the Cat Returns cat, because it was Carrie Elwes? Is that how you say oh, it? Oh, that's who it was. I'm, I was thinking, I got yeah. it right. Yeah, he was the cat in the Cat Returns. Uh, that also had Anne Hathaway was the main girl. Yeah, yeah, Tim Curry was like the I, Cat King. They, see? See what I'm saying? Uh, even Cat uh, Returns is a good movie. Yeah, I, need to, I never saw that one. I saw, like, the previews of it before, like, Disney films when they first got uh, them. But, like, even I'm looking back, it's, like, Castle in the Sky. Mark Hamill is Colonel Muska in the Disney yeah, he's Castle in the Sky. As it, oh, and, like, once again, Tress McNeil, Debbie Derryberry, people who are well-known in the VA community. Disney knows how to get the right names. It's just for some reason this time around it did not. It did. It just didn't work quite right. Yeah. But other than that, like I said, it's uh, Ghibli and Miyazaki, especially, um, have a great eye for detail. And it, but at the same time, it's the details in all the weirdest areas, like when the pigs squeal and screech, and you can see their teeth jutting out of their mouth over their lips. Well, he had some it's, practice from that from Mononoke too. Because they did, like, the same shots on those pigs, pretty much. That that and, like... And I think that's the other thing, is that... Uh, from, like, the water effects, where it, like, almost kind of ripples in the way that, the, mm. the, like, the dragons and the water spirits move in this. It's it's very... It, it's always... he uh, Miyazaki and Ghibli films always have this fluidity about them that are, that are unlike most anime people see... I know, like, especially if you compare this to, like, TV anime, which is kind of unfair. I mean, it's like comparing Disney animation features to the stuff they air on ABC Family or the ABC Saturday mornings back in the day. Budgets and time constraints are different. But at the same time, like, they put so much detail and effort into these into these animations, which is why I wanted to start with something kind of, kind of a softball. We're not getting too deep into... We're gonna have to cover Pompoko at some point because that's yeah we should we should cover Pompoko. That's definitely a uh, very Japanese centric film. It was Carrie always reprising his role as the cat, so he played it in both he Whisper did. of the Heart and that's nice. That's a nice continuity there. Like I said, Disney's pretty good about their voice. It's just this dub for some reason didn't quite work, and I know Devate Chase is a better actress and she's proven it even around this time period. So I don't know what happened. That's why I think it's something in her direction that somebody, whoever the voice director was. And I know Lasseter was involved in that end, but that I feel like that was telling her to go big and, you know, like bump, you know, like bombastic with her screaming on all of her lines instead of, you know, being more subtle about it. Yeah. I don't know. It, she was really the only weak point in it. Yeah, in the and dub, unfortunately, she's the in the dub, exact in in the Disney dub, but at the same time, you know, and at the same at the same time, she's also the lead, which is what sucks. Like it'd be one thing if it's a bad voice from like a minor character or supporting role where you see them like five times in the movie, but this is the character we're following the entire movie. Yeah, that being, yeah, I also, but once again, like I also dig to the design work on this, like. Uh, you know, all the different yokai. I did pull up some of the yokai. Apparently, uh, well, I mean, uh, Haku is a yokai. He's, a uh, based on an actual river spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me pull up the actual, 
most of the names all all the Japanese names have some kind of connotation to them, like um, Nigi Hayami Koha Konushi, uh, God of the Swift Amber River, and so and that's in reference to an actual river like spirit dragon, uh, and you know, uh, oh god, what are the little uh, things called? The, the Kodama, the things in Mononoke. Not that the uh, no, I'm talking about the little soot creatures. Oh, I don't know. They just called them soot sprites. I know they're in uh, Totoro as well. I couldn't tell you. I remember that. I remember that. As, I, I I've seen Totoro not too long ago, so I remember this little dust sprites from there too. Um, Shikigami uh, are featured in there. They're they're the one. They're the paper uh, little birdie things that attack Haku in his dragon form. And then, uh, it's, uh, yeah, uh, Kamaji. Oh, and the Susuwatari are the, are the, are the, are the yokai. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dust Bunny, Soot Sprites, and then their prominent, uh, that was devised by Hayao Miyazaki. Okay, so they're like, they were featured in My Neighbor Totoro and Spirited Away. So these are little yokai that he made up, essentially. And then, yeah, Kamaji is spider. Yokai and the witch. I don't. I, I, and I'm not sure what kind of witches Yubaba and Zeniba are based off of. I'm not familiar with like the giant head on the tiny body kind of witches. I mean, they might just be witches. I don't and know. Then it could have just been a. Uh, see, that's the thing. I'm not as familiar on the cultural aspect of it. So I couldn't tell you. Yeah, like, I know. Multiple. I know there's a lot of stuff in there. I just couldn't tell you what's we'd have to what he made up like, and what's from other things. Exactly. Uh, um, but there, there were some things that are, I think, pretty universal myth-wise in there. Like the big one is don't eat food from the spirit world. Mm-hmm. But you see that in Greek myth. Uh, it's in Japanese myth. It's in, I think, most cultures have some variant of that. Exactly. Um, and it's also had the your name is power over you thing that a lot of cultures yeah. have. Yeah. Uh, for those, this, it makes more sense in the original Japanese because the characters for uh, the character for Chihiro, um, I believe it's the I think it's it's chi. the chi. Yeah. The character for Chi is also the the character for Sen, mm-hmm. and and so Yubaba and one of the in a really nice aspect and really nice scene in the movie steals the kanji and the and the and the written name from the contract and grasps it in her hand. It's a beautiful, it's, it's a lovely visualization of what she's doing to Chihiro, and so the Chi and her name become now becomes her new name sen mm-hmm. and so chihiro which was i was reading this it was Chih- chihiro means uh fa- uh searching for the uh, there might be mul- uh, there might be multiple meanings so i'm not sure i don't but know I, those kind I, I know um i know the but like the like they was they featured the the thousand in the actual translation of the name i i just can't remember yeah a, sa- a thousand fathoms mm-hmm and so the thousand aspect was was the one that was singled out, and that became her new nickname. Yeah, 
But yeah, and uh, we don't know the specific yokai, but I know that uh, there's multiple ones featured. There's various ones that kind of look like uh, Oni. There's a radish spirit that walks around. I did did like that guy a lot. The radish spirit was fun, especially like when he's first introduced. He uh, takes takes, uh, Chihiro to the top floor and he's just like, okay, see you, bye. (laughs) It leaves. Um... There's one called Ao Gaeru, uh, which was just a little frog person that hopped around. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, of course, most of the bathhouse workers, the males, were were all frogs of some kind. Mm-hmm. And then I don't, not sure what the women were supposed to be. Um, like if they were supposed to be based on anything in particular, or just the idea of their bathhouse workers. Yeah, I'm not one hundred percent on that. Yeah, we uh, we got it. We kind of got went into this a bit fast. We should have taken some more time. I, at the same time, if this was our actual gig where we could spend the time and work on it, but we got we got jobs, man. Mm-hmm. I will, you know. But then once the uh, I'm trying to think what else there like the the soot sprites that were also featured. I'm surprised that don't those don't get more featured. Apparently, they're only featured in Totoro and this, but they're somehow considered a Ghibli staple. I mean, these are. Probably the two most popular ones, so. True. Um, but I think those are the big, I, uh, yeah, we covered the uh, the idea of stealing from the spirits. Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, animal transformation. The idea of your punishment is to be turned into a into this. Yep. That, that's that's that, straight think, out of Greece, think, too. Exactly. Like, how many times have Greek and uh, Chinese and all, all the ancient mythologies have said, you are now this. Your punishment is to no longer be human. Yeah. Then, well, that's the other thing about the name is Haku. For the longest time, you don't learn exact. You it takes a while for you to realize who exactly he is before they finally, you know, recognize him and say his name because Yubaba has stolen his name and he has forgotten it because it wasn't written down the way Chihiro's was. Mm-hmm. Which you know what ties back into the whole idea of when you if you have control over somebody's name, then you 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 maintain control over them. Yeah, but yeah, I wasn't. I felt this way for a while, and I feel like this rewatch didn't really change much. But I'm not a huge fan of this movie just because I feel the narrative is pretty weak. Which I've I've heard that's intentional for this movie, but that. Even so, that doesn't make it more interesting to me. I mean, like the the visuals and the music are top notch. I can't. There's, I have nothing bad to say about either of those. It's just the narrative right. for a two-hour movie didn't grip and me. And that's the problem: is that Pixar and Ghibli, especially, have shown that you don't need to dumb down the story for kids. Like Ghibli has spent years telling stories. Now, all of a sudden. The idea that because he's making this for young girls, he has to simplify the story. Uh, I don't think that was intentional. I think that was just more he wanted to make it like he was telling a kid's story. I yeah. can like I can imagine that like he's tell, like he's a grandpa telling, "Hey kids, you know, let me tell you the story of this little girl Chihiro and her journey through the magical spirit world." Yeah. I can imagine it being more like a fairy tale, but at the same time, it's not exact. Like when they've spent so much, so much, like they spent the last two decades before this telling very mature themes and uh, 
allowing for more interesting stories to be told. So the idea of them doing a more simplified fairy tale feels like if Disney went all the way back to Snow White now. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm, I'm super cool with a movie, not necessarily having a narrative. Like I'm cool with like a two hour, like character study, but this is just simple and kind of boring for it. I felt like I watched this, not 12 hours ago, and I could not tell you really what happened if you hadn't summarized it for me earlier. Like, the story's just kind of a nothing, and that irks me. Yeah, and that's kind of the biggest complaint or criticism that the movie gets uh, in retrospect. But at the same time, I think it's the idea is to make it the most accessible. And I feel like that's why it got so much attention was because it was way more accessible the way that a fairy tale is for that you can get anybody at any age in with a fairy tale. Yeah, not, they may not like it, but it's accessible to them. Yeah, Whereas, it's way more accessible than like Mononoke, which has a lot of gore, or Pompoko, which is which is very steeped in Japanese mythology. Yeah, and ha- also has giant balls everywhere. All of the balls. That's gonna be a fun. That's gonna be a fun one for us to cover. Yep. Um, I th- I think that's the basics uh like i said I, I wanted to mainly tackle this because it was a good entry point for ghibli and then we'll get into more the more uh interesting and the more mature aspects of ghibli's uh, ghibli stuff you know f- in future episodes but we wanted to i wanted to start and then like do a basic intro to miyazaki and ghibli now and then we can focus on the actual movies where there's more stuff to talk about yeah that's fair uh but I don't think we have more to talk about for this one, do we? No, not really. And of course, uh, we didn't get them in time. But if you listening have your own thoughts and your own, uh, you know, musings on Spirited Away from your own, from uh, either if you watched it as a kid or if you've watched it recently, uh, be sure to send them in, and we'll come. You know, we'll 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 have it as like the feedback section for the next episode. Yeah, I don't care if your things off topic because you watched it after the episode or whatever whatever just write in don't yeah. don't think just write yeah so we, we won't you know you're not gonna get in trouble because you send in your homework late i might grade it <laughs> but i won't tell you what you got so don't worry unless you really want to know then i guess i could uh, but let's get into that fun fact lightning round go and we got a whole lot of it so uh some of this we kind of covered but if we get to it we'll cover it late we'll uh skip it Miyazaki could not draw people and only drew planes, tanks, and battleships for the first several years as an artist during, like, middle school. The cleansing of the river, spirit, I don't know I couldn't read that, is based <laughs> on a real-life incident in Miyazaki's life in which he participated in the cleaning of a river, removing, among other things, a bicycle. Which was the first thing that uh, they pulled out of the river spirit when they were bathing, bathing it in the movie. Yeah, I did like that scene a lot. With the, oh God, the old man face so... just pops up. That was a good. That was a good. That bit. and like the de- once again the detail on just the garbage and the filth. Yeah. As it lays about. Yeah. Uh, Ghibli is great at details, even when they're disgusting. This movie feels to me details. like it could have been a dozen short stories instead of one two-hour story. Yeah, I can see that. Like a like a short miniseries. Yeah. Uh, Miyazaki became the chief secretary of Toei's labor union and led in a major labor dispute within the first year of working for the studio. Good. Good dude. 
even if he does seem kind of crotchety. But yeah, can't argue with years will do that with that. Yeah, but you can't argue with that fact that you just yes. read. Unless you're a dick. Yeah. Um Spirit Away is the first film to earn two hundred million US dollars in grosses before opening in the US. Studio Ghibli's name comes from the Italian noun Ghibli, uh, itself based on the Libyan variant of the Arabic word Ghibli, spelled K-I-B-L-I-Y-Y uh, in the in the romanization of the of the Arabic, and that translates to a wind from the south. Uh, they went with this name, believing that their studio could blow a new wind through the anime industry. And I don't know. And they weren't wrong. Yeah, I don't know how much. They changed, but they caused a stir at least. If nothing else, they made quite a ruckus. Yeah. We we'll uh, cover this one, the Chi and Sen, so you yeah, can Yeah, so skip. let's go to the next one. This past year, so 2017? Yeah, 17, 16. The independent distributor G Kids took over U.S. distribution of Studio Ghibli films from Disney after acquiring the rights in 2011. Disney still holds the rights to The Wind Rises and Grave of the Fireflies. This was a weird one that I that I found out in studying for this episode. G Kids is best known for distributing the um, uh, Secret of Kells, Song of the Sea. Very, they did the Red Turtle, mm -hmm. which is, I think was a Ghibli co-production. Um, I think the they've been produce they've been distributing a lot of the lesser known animated features that get uh, nominated at the Academy Awards. So things like um, my, something the zucchini, that was one of the, that was one that they distributed, and at some point Disney decided to transfer the Ghibli properties over to them, and they're just this independent distributor out, out of space out of New York. So good get for them. They now have right, the, the rights to most of the Ghibli films. Yeah, and and so the next Ghibli film that comes out is going to be distributed through G Kids and not Disney. Good on them. Uh, to do the voice of Chihiro's mother talking while eating, uh, actress Yasuko Sawaguchi actually spoke the dialogue while eating a piece of Kentucky Fried Chicken, to tie into last episode about the holidays. Ch Kentucky, Kentucky Fried Chicken is big over there. Good pull. And then uh, actress Lauren Holly did the same thing in the e in, for the English dub, uh, only she did it with an apple instead of fried chicken. Studio Ghibli... Ardman Animations and Nickelodeon are the only studios to have won the Academy Award for Best Animated Feature besides DreamWorks, Disney, and Pixar. What did Nickelodeon do that won the Academy Award? Rango. Oh, 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 okay. I never saw Rango, and I didn't realize that was Nick. Yeah, that, it's a very it's it's a Gore Verbinski animated film, and it's a very good film. It's a great. Um, it's 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 like a kids version of the uh, you know how Unforgiven sort of subverts the usual tropes of the western. No, Rango continue. does that anyway. Yeah, Unforgiven takes a lot of the same the old tropes of the western and and sort of like real you know kind of pokes the holes in the in the like the and the legend and gives it a more realistic take. Rango does a lot of the same stuff, but for kids, you know, and it's not as you know, violent or gory or anything, but it takes a lot of those old Western tropes and says, yeah, that's not how things work. And it, and it's a great, I love the, the, the final act can kind of, can come, can feel like it comes out of nowhere a bit. And especially like the climax, but at the same time, 
it's a solid film, and I'm, it's the best thing to come out of Nickelodeon feature-wise so far. But uh, I don't know if Ardman's counts, because that was a co-production with DreamWorks. That was their... Uh, Th- that was the where the uh, where uh, the where rabbit movie got. Not, I think one the Walsh and Gromit one. Yeah. Oh. But at the same time, yeah. It's, oh it's, right, Ardman. I don't know yeah, why. Ardman. I don't know why I couldn't associate those. <laughs> That's the it's the one thing they're known for. Anyway, next fact. The star shaped uh, the the star shaped trees that the Susawata- the Susawatari the black soot, uh, creatures were care- were being fed are called competo. And it's a type of traditional Japanese candy. So, uh, like when when we're first introduced to Lynn and she's feeding them like a chick like chickens, the, uh, the, she's feeding she's feeding them competo. Yeah, they're little. Uh, they're just rock candy, shaped like little stars. Um, Spirit Away is the highest grossing film in Japan, as we said earlier. But what's impressive about it is that it beat out Titanic, the record holder. For highest gross international until Avatar, at twenty six point two billion yen, and Frozen at twenty five point four eight billion yen. So Spirit of the Way, at least in Japan, outgrossed Titanic, uh, and and then uh, Spirit of the Way was not made with a script. In fact, Miyazaki's films never had scripts. Uh, to quote him uh, in an interview with Midnight Eye, "I don't have the story finished and ready when we start work on a film." I usually don't have the time, so the story develops when I start drawing storyboards. The production starts very soon thereafter, while the storyboards are still developing. Miyazaki does not know where the plot is going, and he lets it happen organically. It's not me who makes the film. The film makes itself, and I have no choice but to follow. That seems like a crazy idea, and it's a miracle that it actually works for him. Yeah, but I guess... Can't argue argue with results. Yeah, I mean, would you call Miyazaki an auteur? necessarily or is he not quite that level of bullshit crazy i've i've heard michael bay referred to as an auteur by the way check out Lindsay ellis's series the whole plate it's it's a film uh students look at michael bay's transformers and it's brilliant the way she breaks it down like uh, you know like you can still apply all of those all of those all the aspects of film theory even to michael bay and it works. I mean, every frame of painting, when those were still going, did an episode on Michael Bay. So, I mean, like, if Michael Bay could be considered auteur, I think Miyazaki could easily be considered auteur. Yeah. Uh, I think you get the next one. Yeah. Spirited Way is often compared to the stories of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and The Wizard of Oz, given their shared use of a young girl being transported to a fantasy world, though neither quite share the same themes and motifs. That was the one that came through the wiki. Like people were comparing, like the main comparisons are to Alice, Alice in Wonderland, and the Wizard of Oz, simply because here you have a young girl transplanted into the fantasy, this fantasy world. I, I think it's closer to Alice in Wonderland simply because of the more random nature of the fantasy world, whereas Wizard of Oz is more straightforward. Mm-hmm. But not, it's still not quite a one-to-one comparison. Uh, the beginning of the title is a play on a. Uh, 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 for the Japanese title, uh, Sento... Sento Chihiro Kamikakushi. Yeah. Uh, it's a play on the words Sento, meaning thousand and. If red is one word, Sento also means bathhouse, which is the setting of the film. God damn it, that's a lame joke. I didn't notice <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm next. 
Uh, yep. Chihiro's father drives a first-generation Audi A4 sedan. The level of detail included by the director includes Audi's trademark Quattro four-wheel drive system when Chihiro's father decides to take the car in the forest, along with the ABS, which pushes the brake pedal back when Chihiro's father brakes hard seeing the statue. That I did not even recognize. That's that's the kind of insane level of detail that Ghibli will put into their films. Uh, the theme of not looking back is an homage to the Shinto myth of Izanagi and Izanami, escaping from the underground world of death, Yomi no Kuni, which, is, which itself is similar to the Greek myth of Orpheus and Eurydice. Many of the characters in this animation are based on the Shin, on Shinto myth and have Shinto gods' names. For example, Haku's true name, Nigihayami Koku, Koha Kunishi is taken from an actual god's name, Nigihayai. This is the last film of actress Suzanne Plachette, uh, Yubaba. Yubaba and Zaniba, yeah. And then this is the this was the our last trivia is what I was talking alluded to earlier the Disney ties with this cast. So, uh, James Marsden or is it Jason Marsden? Jason Marsden. It's the lesser James known Marsden. Marsden. The, not related, actually. Fun fact, uh, Jason Marsden and Suzanne Plachette were also featured in the direct-to-video sequel to The Lion King, Simba's Pro- Lion King 2 Simba's Pride, where they played mother and son there. Uh, DeVay Chase, as mentioned, is Lilo from Lilo and Stitch, but David Ogden Stiers, who has played Cogsworth the Clock and also played in Lilo and Stitch as... Why can't I remember his name? Pleakley? Not Pleakley. That was uh, the guy from... That was Michael oh, McDonald yeah. from Mad TV. Uh, no, he was J- Jumba, Jumba Jukiba. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the, so you have two... For, two so Jason, and Jason Marston has been, I think, on... That Blade is a Eats leap World. from Cogsworth to Jumba. Exactly. That is and at vocal range. Oh, the guy was used to be on uh, MASH back in the day. So, I mean, this, this dude's been around for a long time. And then uh, Susan Egan, who plays Lynn was Megara in Disney's Hercules. Okay, that sounds familiar, yeah. And then John Ratzenberger's in everything. Exactly, he's in all of the, the Pixar movies. But, so, I mean, this 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 cast is is all tied back into Disney's other projects in some way. Yeah. Because Lion King 2 came out, like, two years before this. Yeah, the thing that got me was Jason Marsden. His voice sounded familiar the whole time, and so I looked it up, and I didn't scroll down enough, and... I read that he's Max Goof from the Goofy movie. I'm like, okay, yep. that I guess I can kind of hear that. But then I went another hour, and it's still... that. No, that's not why I recognize him. And then I realized it's the fucking cat from Hocus Pocus. Ha! <laughs> yep. The same... The same voice. Exactly. Same, well, I mean, yeah, he has... He, same he's, acting. He's, he's the... He's the... He's had the... That... That voice... Since since he was on uh on he was on um Boy Meets World back in the day he was he play he played himself the character's name was Jason Marsden he was also on Full House and Step by Step but he Weird. was always kind of that that guy that that teen friend back Te- in the day teen that enunciates everything very clearly exactly um since then he's you know he's He's, he was in Cartoon All-Stars to the Rescue. Huh. Uh, but yeah, he's best known for the longest time as playing Max Goof. And then yeah. he was Nermal in the recent 
uh, reboot of Garfield. So, I mean, uh, wait a minute, he was in the Dragonlance movie? I guess so. Okay, um, this is this is for me. Uh, when I was uh, when my uncle passed away, uh, he left a bunch of fantasy novels behind, and one of the ones that I got into was the dragon. He had two copies from the Dragonland series, which I learned out later were based out of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, that's the default setting for. Yeah, I did not know that. Three I, I was not in my 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 mom was bought into the. Uh, satanic panic back in the day so we never had dungeons and dragons in the house mm-hmm. so i had no idea about that but i read dragons of autumn twilight like cover to cover multiple times it was a great book and there was like a direct video movie with michael rosenbaum the guy who played lex luther in smallville Kiefer sutherland and lucy lawless as well as like phil lamar and a bunch of other Yo, lesser no, you know, you know. Once again, these are all like the staple of voice actors, and apparently Jason Marsden plays the halfling in that. Huh. So, fun facts, you know, uh, what's it like six degrees of Disney voice acting? I don't know. But anyway, that's all we got for this week. Yeah. So next time we will be watching the first live action Tihaya for a movie. I believe the subtitle is Kaminoku. Um and that does not have an official US release, western release, but it's out there. You can find it. Mm-hmm. Um and the reading list for that is just watch that movie. It is the first one. Uh It's not Shimonoku and then the third one's not out yet, but it's Kaminoku. Uh so where can they send stuff into us, John? They can uh, if you were listening and you would like, why are the notes? Why do the notes freeze? Okay, no, that was the bottom of the page. Anyway, uh, if you have any fun facts, stories, questions, or corrections, anything you want to send, both about what you just heard, Spirited Away, the future next week, the future topic, or maybe even suggestions for topics you would like to hear us cover, send all of that to Podcast at gmail dot com. Um, for more of me. You can find me over at GameKiwi.net. Right now, I'm uh, on break from new stuff, but I am putting up up archives of all my Extra Life stream. Um, I will actually have a couple new things out before the end of the year, one of which I hope to get out by Christmas. Um, John, where can they find you? I'm all over this network. Uh, I do the Corn Junkie podcast, which I release every week. Uh, this as of this record this week, uh, the the releases have been Star Wars: The Last Jedi, which was way more contentious than I thought it would be. Yeah, I need to see it and see why all the nerds are mad about it. I was at the I hobby honestly, store the other day, and one of the employees there was just on a loud rant about how it's the worst one, worse than Episode Two, even. I, see, that's that's nonsense. I feel like that's. I feel like that's blowing it way out of proportion. Yeah, I need to see why the nerds are so angry, because it sounds like I'm going to like it a lot if they're so mad about it. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, I, I, but, we all, but I also covered Ferdinand, which is by Blue Sky, and is it features bulls having a dance-off with German horses. Was that, was that well, okay? The story is a great story, and the I Disney mean, it's, story it's a classic is story. Beautiful. But what they they padded out they the entire middle of the movie 
is all padding. And mm. it ranges from David Tennant doing his Scrooge McDuck voice for the DuckTales reboot as a bull. And like I said, German horses, Macarena, they dance to Pitbull. This doesn't sound and great. Pitbull, it is not. It Blue Sky fumbles it so hard because they had a. They could have done a great. And it, parts of it are it deals with the actual harsh realities of bullfighting, where no matter what, the bull is screwed. Mm-hmm. But for all of those mature themes that they want to cover, then they also want to jingle the keys in front of the kids to be like, "Oh no, no! See, it's still fun. It's still fun, kids! Ha ha!" And they forget the fact that the bull that Ferdinand smells the flowers. For, like, the entire movie. Uh, it's not good. And then I also watched Just Getting Started, which is basically like Morgan Freeman and Tommy Lee Jones make a movie at an old folks' retirement home in Hollywood. Huh. It was not It was not fun. It was very sad watching these people who are, are much better than the movie they're in. Oh, that's unfortunate. Uh, I also do the Tragic Missile podcast, which is an actual play of 5th uh, edition Dungeons & Dragons. Uh... We're a bit, I'm a bit behind on the editing, but I've got pl- all of the episodes lined up under and full, you know, like full on like two hour sessions. I just had to break them down on, over the holidays. And then uh, I've also started Twitch streaming on the weekends. Uh, currently, I'm still working my way through Cuphead. I'm on Island 3, so I'm just about done with Cuphead. And then I'm about halfway through Pokemon. I just beat Erica on the last stream. Okay. And I think those are the big ones. Okay. And that's uh, twi- twitch.tv slash popcornjunkiepwh. So big thanks to God of Shamisen for use of their song Dragon String Attack First Strike off the album Dragon String Attack. Check it and their other music out on Google Play, iTunes, or at music.godofshamisen.com. And another big thanks to Daniel Johnson for making our logo. You can see more of his work at danieljohnson.design. And thanks again to the Gumby Cat Networks for hosting us, and check out all of their other fine programming they have to offer. Uh, I recommend the Ultimate Showdown podcast, where a, where a bunch of guys debate who would win in the fight, and it, it's a tournament style. Sixteen enter, one leaves, and uh, Jim should be back on with uh, Random Podcast Generator pretty soon. And that's a great little pilot program for podcasts on the network, as well as like a fun way, a fun outlet for. Yeah, just whatever we feel like doing. I know he does the movie reviews with his kid there as well. And so, yeah, like I said, we got a Buffy fan cast. We've got uh, a horror a horror podcast, various nerdy discussions going about the network. Uh, if you if you whatever you like, you'll probably find something for it on on it. Uh, that's g u m b i e c a t networks dot com. And uh, we'll also we're also available through Google Play and iTunes. So if you find us there, be sure to subscribe and leave a five-star rating and review to let people know that you like us. But that is it for this episode of Maji Day. I'm Mike. And I'm John. And this holiday, make sure none of your holiday feasts are from the spirit world. Uh-huh.